Okay, everyone, I have to open this episode with a fucking retraction. Evidently, investing in Dogecoin is not for... To quote the dialogue I cut out of the episode, knuckle-dragging semi-monkeys. <laughs> suck my nuts. <laughs> Evidently, investing in Dogecoin is for gentlemen that wish to make $500. $500 that Sam now has that I do not have. It could have been more, but I was a little bit of a chicken. But this $500 started out as like 10 so. In short... If your strategy relies on Elon Musk to be an SAT-violating <laughs> cockbag, there's something to the plan. So this meme where it was the Lion King and it's Elon Musk and he was holding up the doge. That, that seems pretty apt. That seems like the situation. Anyway, that paid for Morgan's birthday right there. So, uh... I kind of wonder... Let your employees unionize, please. This generation... The Actually, people... not please. Demand. Let your, let your fucking employees unionize. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Yeah, the, the Tesla factory conditions are kind of... There's no yellow anywhere because he's just, there's a wacky man who doesn't like <laughs> the safety with the color. <laughs> what? Is it going to make his dick fall off? Is it going to cover the cars in pussy particles? They won't, <laughs> they won't be able to start within 10 meters of a drag race? What the fuck is that? God, it's the fuck out of me. Like, I don't know why billionaires, trillionaires... I, I actually think he just surpassed Bezos. I don't know why they act the way that they fucking do. I'm left with these questions. I don't know, maybe if my parents had had a diamond mine instead of generational poverty i'd be that way fuck it <laughs> all right so we've got sort of a a two-part feature today one is sort of a sequel to our first impressions in fact it's just more first impressions impression. it's like, early on in the season we can only work we've only got so much to work with and the other is a very special comic book we're oh going to start God. with the second impressions we did two shows uh well first person two shows the first was tokyo revengers which has a fun and familiar feeling tile of very narrow, tied intricately to a past trauma, time travel. I would say one of the best anime suspense thrillers to have come out since Death Note was Erased. Now, for those of you who have not seen Erased, uh, it has a longer, it has this longer Japanese title that directly translates into the town where I do not exist. Erased is about a man who has this, it's either a superpower or it's just a weird thing that surrounds him where whenever a disaster occurs, he gets sent back in time uh, until he is able to stop this disaster from happening. Uh, and... One night, a serial killer murders his mother, and he ends up getting sent back all the way back in time to when he was in sixth grade, because that's when this disaster started. It started with one of his uh, one of his friends being murdered by this serial killer back when he was way, 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 way the fuck younger. So he has to basically go back and um, solve this murder as a child. Wait, when you say solve this murder as a child, how old is he? What, sixth grade? He's like 11. 
He's like 11. Ah, oh, right under the credibility threshold. There's a fun yeah. challenge. Uh, so this was a really fantastic uh, manga. Got a really good uh, adaptation with a really fantastic uh, OP. Because I mean, I'm just an OP guy. That's uh, that's like one of my things. It's, it's okay. It's part of the package for you. Uh, the Asian Kung Fu Generation did the uh, did the theme song. They, uh, they were the ones who did that really kick-ass Naruto theme song. I remember. I remember yeah. they've got a nice uh, thumbprint on our generation of weebs. Yeah. Uh, so... What was the other Naruto song people liked? Go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was I'm pretty sure, the guys who did um, the first uh, Code GS theme song that everyone remembers, too. Wow. Okay, yeah. yeah. A yeah, tight was, elite circle there. Yeah. There were, there were like, like five or six or five or six bands, you know, kind of just going around around that time. They're still around, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Promised Neverland. They did the first season ah. of Promised Neverland, and I cannot remember their name, but they also did one of the, uh, they did one of the Hiroaka ones, and they did a Gundam one once. Wow, they had a, um, a 50% chance of being attached to the wrong season of the Promised Neverland, so good for them. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. They got good gambler's luck. All right, so tying a race back to uh, Tokyo Avengers here. Yeah, so Tokyo Avengers is basically like a race. Uh, you know, plus or minus a few uh, a few details here and there. I mean, it's a uh, dude gets sent back in time in order to save this one girl's life from ending. Not then, not back in time, but from basically preventing a butterfly effect thing from happening that ends with her getting killed in the present day. Uh, yeah, so he has, to, he has to be 12 in order to stop this. Yeah, they're essentially the development of a modern day extreme criminal organization is tied to the pathetic group of punks he participated in as a youth before leaving and becoming a much more socially acceptable washout. Yes. And near as I can tell from what I could glean from the OP and, you know, key images, that sort of thing, I haven't read the manga that it's based on. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's going kind of like in a crime drama y route instead of the sort of suspense mystery that Erased went in. Oh, more of a dum dum kind of feeling. <laughs> well, kind of just, well, here's all of these fucking dudes who are going to end up growing up to kill, you know, your middle school go- girlfriend. You know, are you a bad enough dude to disassemble their criminal syndicate before it becomes one? No, you're clearly not a bad <laughs> enough dude, but you're going to have to try and do it anyway. Maybe you can bring out a grown-up boxing technique to this. <laughs> That's a thing you have. I think that this is a really interesting, imaginative show. I, I think I was giving it... um. I think if if you think that I was giving it shit for being very similar to Erased, I actually do not have a problem with it being similar to Erased. I do not mind having a show that wears its influences on its sleeves. Everything is influenced by something. And, you know, if it's influenced by one thing more than others, then fine. Tell a good story and I don't care. Yeah, Ulysses didn't have its name picked out of a hat. No. I mean, the the Darth Vader twist is lifted from Dune. (laughs) Yoink, bitch! Suck my dick. And it is one of the, and it is one of the, you know, best, best remembered, you know, plot twists in the history of cinema, and it's lifted from Dune. Naked jacking. I can't wait for the forums to explode with what kind of Star Wars ripoff bullshit is this? (laughs) Because some people will laugh it off. I will laugh it off, Mm -hmm. and other people will embark on a multi generational jihad. In which <laughs> they will dedicate their pairings to producing offspring 
for optimal dick punching in order to optimally dick punch and at, at the end of all this is going to be the one product of all of this genetic dick punching who is the best at dick punching and you know sort of another guy who's close but he's sort of a dick so fuck him <laughs> That was about uh, two minutes of doing in jokes, people. Sorry about that. But yeah, I thought this was an interesting setup, too. I think through the first half of the first episode, I was thinking, okay, this is just okay. Because I think I was a little in my head with what, at the moment, seemed to be its attitude towards time travel. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get annoyed in time travel stories when people behave in a way that feels more on rails than maybe it should be for whatever intelligence level I'm supposed to find them to be at. That was my mindset during the first half of this, but the series has sort of started blossoming out A in that direction, and B, there's a little more character grist that comes in. Like, Yeah, I think when something has a little bit of a high concept like this, you know, it's, it's, it's going to feel like a bigger ask up front before mm-hmm. you get to know the characters. And I can actually respect that approach more as I get older, mostly because... I think we're at the tail end of this now, and maybe this is more of a Western problem. Actually, not even more of a Western problem, because Isekai is guilty of this, but... There's that sort of hypertrophy, post-Hulakian aesthetic that really plagues a lot of medium. Not in this show, I'm just saying it's a thing. Yeah. That perhaps leans too hard on, you know the rules, flick on the nose. Yeah, okay. And that can really pull a purely speculative work apart. Yeah, it uh, it makes it feel much less imaginative when they do that. Yeah. Like, like it feels like a video game that's clearly been made in Gary's mod. Oh, man, I remember that. Like, not that I have... Not that there's anything wrong with Gary's mod. Nope, nope, the sword has been drawn. We here at Weeboo Hell hate Gary's mod and those affiliated with it. Those affiliated with it could probably find and dox us. <laughs> that's very true. Oh... Uh. I think Gabe just has all my data. <laughs> just an itemized list of Denard Dale's pornography and specific articles about why it's immoral. <laughs> just linked to each one. No, the, uh, the, the less something feels like it's full of Joss Whedon dialogue these days, the better. It is true, it is true. It is why he has a worse cut of a Zack Snyder movie, which is... How do you do that? It's, it's, it's fucking incredible. Uh, it's like, what... <laughs> It's because what Zach's... effort must you expend in order to make a worse movie than Zack Snyder did? <laughs> it's very simple because Zack Snyder decided to make a movie about something fucking stupid, and Joss Whedon decided to make a movie about cubes. <laughs> <laughs> you read the cubes, Batman. <laughs> I must have them. All right, so since so it's first impressions, I guess like we can, we can dive deep into the first episode a little. It's interesting. It sort of plays backwards. That episode set up you hate from sitcoms where someone sees his future self and he's like a loser for whatever reason. Oh, sure, yeah. And instead, this is well, someone Well, it's going, already that. Yeah. Yeah. And instead, someone going back to what he thought of as his heyday, they're like, oh, nope. 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 I sucked. Still that, su- that sucked. Sucks. Sucked more. <laughs> sucked more than I do now somehow. Kind of impressive. Kind of impressive. <laughs> Which is, uh, I don't know, on a character writing level, I, I can enjoy that. Well, it's interesting because he um, he ends up sort of uh, 
you know, slaughterhouse fiving back to the day that he can actually point to where he says, this right here is the day that my life went to absolute shit. Yeah. It was just downhill from here. And there he was at that moment where he could take a stand, pull them in a different direction. And boy, does he not. Man, I wish, I wish it was that easy. I mean, this is fiction. It's shorthand. Mm-hmm. I, I, there are exceptions, but I feel like there's few enough of us who can say that, like, this is the this is the day right here where everything went wrong. But I'm I'm trying to think back, you know, in my life, if I can think to such a day where I made such a mistake. Oh, like just one single mistake? Like I... one single mistake that just became a whole series of events that I wish had not happened. I don't really have that one either, like... I have such a tangible, like, worst choice, but if I get rid of that choice, it actually doesn't really change where I am sitting right now, which is kind of fucking hilarious, and raises all kinds of questions about free fucking will. Free will, (laughs) causality, what agency you even have in this crazy fucking world. I'm not even sure the alphabet agencies have agency. Yeah, he's, uh... (laughs) That's the thing about, uh about time travel stories that you would inevitably invite these questions. Yep. Even if you are not looking to. I don't know if they are looking to do that or not. Or maybe. It's called Tokyo Revengers. It, it doesn't really... I don't want to judge a book by its <laughs> cover here, but in a show called Tokyo Revengers, it just doesn't seem like they're going in that direction. But again, it's time travel. You, I don't you can't see help us it. hitting the philosophical heart of the world either. I could be fully wrong, in which case this show will overperform against my prediction of it coming out pretty good. I think it's headed for pretty good territory. That's good. That's good. Like I, I would love if I could come up with something that was pretty good. Like if you're really worried about the fucking gambler's dice on that show where the guy adopts the girl. This is a safer bet with a lower ceiling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unless it just gets fucking insane. Mm. Uh, then, you know, okay, fine, fine. I will. I, if this ends up being super fucking Kino, the way that it is directed, because usually you can tell. Usually you can tell if it is, like, really fucking skillfully directed just in the first episode, even before, you know, it kind of opens up and you get to see, you know, what's inside your present. Um, you can usually tell, or it's usually not a surprise if something ends up being really ridiculously fucking good. Ah. Like, um, what is, what is a good, uh, example of this? I mean, like, we like just- Like Bunny Girl Senpai. I know Bunny I'm leaning back senpai. toward a fucking time travel thing, but- It did it really well. It did it really well. It did and- it really well, and it always, it always loves, um, going into these matters, right? So I, I don't mind that at all. Also, if it's opening scene, I- have come to really respect this particular iteration of slamming two textbooks together saying, Hey! Hey, hey look over hey, here! Hey! Was that a Shakespeare thing? Yeah, hey, nani, nani is a Shakespeare thing. Okay. That manic fit of energy aside, um, yeah, so decide if those odds are worth it for you. And our second program is, Samuel? Oh, that's uh, To Your Eternity. Ah, uh, yes, To Your Eternity. This which... one's really getting all sorts of fucking buzz. Yeah, and so far it did not disappoint me on that front no it's by the uh it's by the writer of a silent voice which just got a film that i've not seen but oh, i read what's up so ah oh, we're we're thirsty for content we should check that out yeah no it's it's an ugly cry anime as i've been told it's called a silent voice it's either that or it's like a remake of that fucking 
Was that horror movie where everyone had to not make a sound? John Krasinski. Yeah, it was the, it was the non-stupid version of Bird Box. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, this is going to bug me. Whatever, if you're listening to this, it's just Bird Box, but better. I'm confident Googling that might give you the movie. A Quiet Place, bang. Not a silent voice, but a quiet place. Okay, cool. Anyway, this is a very... High concept. Yeah, very high concept. I think, I think that's that's the only word that I could use to describe this one, is high concept. Well, I wouldn't say it's too high concept. It's like your standard slice of life thing. An extraterrestrial force becomes embedded in a rock on Earth, and then it sort of passes on into different beings that die whenever it's sufficiently emotionally stimulated by their experience. Yeah. So first a rock. So it's not like Kaon. <laughs> you know, that as you mention it. <laughs> So yeah, first it's a rock, and there is this really visually great sequence of like it going from like a rock to this dog, and there's this narrator telling you everything that you can infer from the visual language that it uses, and I have I think I wanted to hurt this narrator. <laughs> there's a very very easy edit that you could make of this thing. Yeah, where you just nix the fucking narrator from the first episode and it is a perfect little honestly perfect little tragedy that plays out in front of you uh, as this goes through this this is another manga adaptation it adapts the first chapter of the manga um and the you know the this whole story is just this uh he takes on the form of this one child's teenager's uh wolf mm-hmm. friend who then comes back and you know his village in the middle of the tundra has been abandoned except for him and he's figuring that he might as well try and go out and find you know his family the other villagers who left presumably for help because there's this bunk story of paradise sort of left behind with yeah. him as like a flashing icon of hope in a literally frozen wasteland yeah and he uh he goes out gets himself mortally wounded uh though he does not know that at the time Mm. uh realizes that everyone who left just died en route and not too amazingly far from where they set out it seems and then comes back and the wound becomes infected and he dies over the course of a couple of days it's really really a little bleak when i talk about it especially given how fucking optimistic and polyannic this kid is yeah the universe does not bend itself around this kid's hero energy and i almost wonder if it just hits harder just because we're so used to those mechanics i mean obviously when you write something you know what the lay of the land is like you know john or like form wise sort of expectations that come with it I guess I did find sort of intentionally leaned on it, in my head at least. Maybe I'm doing a chemtrails plotting thing here, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I... So if you can delude yourself in the same way, you'll enjoy this show too. <laughs> in terms of that narrator thing you were talking about, mm-hmm. artier anime tend to have like a 10% chance of getting swung into a movie. If that movie comes out for this one, listen to me, I'm using all of my cloud energy on this. Cut the narrator. Please. Uh, for the love of fucking God. <laughs> The reason that the first episode, and we'll talk about the second episode in a little bit, because this is looking either vignette or very arc-based. It seems like it's going to end up being kind of arc-based. Oh yeah, it seems to be sweeping towards a uh, bigger story. Like, in the first episode, I thought we had an anthology series kind of direction, but it's 
or maybe like a Kino's Journey kind of thing. I guess that was an anthology series. Yeah, it? in its way. Well, here, here, here's the thing that worked for me about the first episode is that I've been struggling with this sort of, I don't know, philosophical conflict where on one hand you have, I don't care how difficult life is, I'm going to be just as difficult right back at it versus life does not care how difficult you are back at it. It is more difficult than you and it will always win. And trying to uh, trying to reconcile these two kind of mutually exclusive uh, viewpoints. I can see how this could play with that because it kind of pulls in two directions with the A, this kid just gets flattened by the reminder that the state of nature is basically worse than Warhammer 40k. Mm, yeah. It will decide very arbitrarily whether you live or die. And at the same time, there is this whole speculative threat of he basically does live on through this form who yeah. also brings these boons to this child. It remains to be seen what this series' attitude is towards life and this psychic imprint of man. Yeah. That said, whenever I hear you talk about this kind of thing, you always make me feel like I have a really flat interiority because I always feel like there are not really any set outcomes and and my effort can just put a plus one or minus one spin on things so I opt for plus one and that is what makes me a really really boring person in philosophy 101 <laughs> and 201 356 people didn't like me in undergrad is what I'm getting at <laughs> but yes that is an interesting tug of war I think I eventually settled on utilitarianism that was the one that made the most sense to me mm-hmm just, uh, just, you know, Spock's right <laughs> at the end of the day. Spock's right. His role in the plot is to be right beside the captain. <laughs> Spock, is, Spock is just routinely correct. <laughs> McCoy is just routinely wrong because Spock does, in fact, have a heart, and he does use it to make his decisions. <laughs> just because he's not screaming. Man, I love that series. There's a lot of good stuff out there. I've been feeling better about media, media? and yeah. genres. Like, I don't know if I've just changed my diet or I just haven't hit a redo of Healer in a little while. Or the fact that the shittiest thing I've read or watched lately just made me laugh and smile the entire time. Ooh, we could talk about that now? <laughs> yes, we can fucking talk about that now. Uh, yeah, To Your Eternity it's good. Just watch oh, it. Yeah, to, so yeah, to Your Eternity is, is, is great. Watch it. Um, Some shit's gonna have to go real bad for the show to fuck up, honestly. Yeah, it, it looks like it's being... It's being crafted with skillful hands. Go go ahead, go ahead and get into it. It looks it, it looks very good. All right, so now that our second first impressions are done, I need to talk to you guys about fucking ITLC. Because I kept my Shonen Jump subscription because I knew something was going to happen. I could smell it in the fucking water. A new wave of series is coming. Something was going to quintuple in value overnight. <laughs> yes. And that thing that quintupled in value was I tell C, which, how do I put it? Okay, well, here's here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. We can't use the R word in this segment. Okay. It's going to make it harder for us, certainly. I'm going to grow up. Today, you know what? Guys, I'm six months away from being 30. Mm. I'm going to review I tell C without referring to genetic intellectual impairment. Let's go. I tell C 
makes Law and Order SVU look like Leonardo da Vinci's notes <laughs> brought to life. It is fascinating. Okay, so fun thing about manga culture. If you're in one of the like big two or four like shonen magazines, mm-hmm. you are basically constantly in a struggle between life and death. Yeah, they don't treat mangaka's great in uh, in Japan, especially in those larger publications. And it's hard enough to survive if you have things like ideas or talents. Like if you watch Kakushi Goto, right? Mm-hmm. That seemed to be almost downplaying how fucking awful it usually is. It's messed up enough that um on the old various fan boards, it's not even an exclusive like Reddit or 4chan, whatever thing. They have like these phrases like the under nineteen club, the under forty club. By just what chapter count you get canceled? Woof. And in case you think anyone is safe, fucking Bleach got canceled. Then, sure, Bleach fucking sucked. The heart. But it had a horde. It did. Yeah, it did. At one point. At one point, it had a horde. When it got canceled, it at least had an imperial legion. And it still fell victim to the Golden Axe. My point being, over what is already a hilarious, terrible crime comic that, once again, makes Olivia Benson's adventures just look like Ulysses. Yep, went through that well twice. There's the metadrama of this talentless production team trying to keep this alive. (laughs) As... The jungle rot just spreads up its veins. So they just keep fucking sticking epinephrine and adrenaline into their goddamn wrist. It's inc- it's incredible. It's one of the greatest things I've said. Honest to fucking god, it it, it made my gut. Go- it, it made my fucking week. Just finding <laughs> this thing made my week. This was this was shitty in a way that, like, usually things are cynically shitty, right? This was adventurously shitty. This sucked in new ways that I was not expecting to see. Even when it draws on cliches, which it does rather exclusively, it just arranges them in such a why way that... What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) You get a fresh new experience every time. Like, I guess I should walk you through the base premise. If it matters, it changes four times. (laughs) We're 13 or so chapters in. I tell C... I wish this had been around when I was doing my Shonen Jump review episode, but it's, it's, it's better this way. I can walk hand in hand with my comrade here. I Tell C is about... Uh, Don yeah. Derry Detective. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> I got excited and I fucking... Alright, go on, go on, go on. I Tell C is about a Don Derry Detective. <laughs> that... False. <laughs> That falls in love with the criminals that that she's supposed to be solving the cases of. And there's a special case squad consisting of two brothers, said in the Dan Harmon voice. Or Justin Roiland. I don't know who's Justin Roiland. It was Roiland, okay. And she's followed around by two brothers (laughs) who... I guess their personalities are karate guy. Karate guy and walking corpse. <laughs> no, he had a personality. I think he was just microdosing on fucking, you know, psychosyllabin. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, he was super subdued. And he, he was real chill. And he liked sweets because that's where the characterization game is at in this one. So, in terms of what's wrong with this, you might be thinking I'm going to say something like, this isn't how crimes are solved. That's true. This is just psychologically offensive. Not my llamas. Potentially true. It could be. I don't know. I, I, I don't... Wasn't where I was at. I, I have removed myself from most discourse at this point. The thing so is, I... Maybe, maybe, probably. Like, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's probably pretty, pretty offensive. But I want you to remember the idea that this, in the first six chapters, and yes, I'm phrasing it that specifically, is a mystery story. Mm-hmm. And mystery stories are sort of about the detectives and the reader getting a set amount of information. Mm-hmm. And the reader could, in theory, put it together. And that sort of lends their engagement to the story. Yeah, it's less like that. It's more like she's just kind of utilizing a superpower. <laughs> she has what I can only call love telepathy. Which is sort of her just walking around with these exaggerated hearts in her eyes. And like she... God. I seem tired now. It's because we're recording this at 1.30 in the morning. Um, it's not because this series has made me feel tired the way that other shitty things have. No, I in fact feel invigorated by this. I've got to be honest. There is no moral transgression here. And... Out of the things that suck this much, I think it's the first one that's like that. Like, it's not, like, perved out over underage girls or... No, oddly enough, it's, it's, um... It's not built on selling gotcha gambling sell, selling boxes. Selling gotcha, gotcha, moe, you know... There's none of that going on. It's not, again, like, it's not cynical. It's back to basics. It's just it pure, has... bad storytelling. It's just... <laughs> It's just so incompetently done. And every chapter brings a new... <laughs> what what exactly would you call it? I feel like there's a word for it. A new... Like a new gimmick? Or a, a new, new hook gimmick. That, like, they're using to just beg the editor not to cancel them. Give us one more chapter. We'll, it'll be... This will get people reading it. I'm not going to get these in order because there are a lot of these. But every chapter, it's a new thing, like... She's a Yandere detective. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The editor's like, uh, she's a Yandere detective because she wants to find the person who originally kidnapped her, who was her first true love. Oh god, they're still they're still pissed. Uh uh, uh He's here! He's here! He's here! <laughs> it's he, him! It's him! It's the guy she was talking about. He's here now. Uh, and he's a writer. He's he's a crime writer. Oh man, he's got some metafictional commentary that he's gonna make. And he's also, uh, hot. He's hot. He's hot. He slipped his hair back and now he's hot. And, oh shit, he shot and killed one of the two brothers. The boring one. It's like, oh, oh, oh that didn't work. Okay, uh, it's actually a comedy now. No, it doesn't matter that his brother just died. This is a comedy it's now. It's also just a comedy now. He, I need to stop here because this, ma- this heretofore major character is killed off. Pretty unceremoniously, by the way. <laughs> he gets, you know, a page or so to die, you know, underneath a tree or something like that. And then the next chapter, uh, his brother, twin brother, I I should add. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a twin myself, I although I do know, knowing one or two twins myself, they, they do seem to have, like, a really 
pretty deep bond that I'll never quite understand. I imagine you care more than, like, if your mailman died. Yeah. Uh, so he, uh... He basically takes it as though he kind of got tuned up a little bit last <laughs> night. Like, oh man, they got us. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be feeling this one for a couple of hours. Here, could you pass me the steak to put over my eye? Oh man, yeah. His brother dying is equivalent to him walking into work the next day and saying, yeah, you should see the other guy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's, um... This <laughs> is so incompetent. It's astounding, and... It doesn't help that, like their sense of humor is even worse than their understanding of, like, what a mystery story is. I I think the only thing that, that the author has actually learned from mystery stories was how neat it felt during the Eureka moment. It's like, ooh, ooh, this is fun. What if I, what if I just did this? This is just, what, this, this is what people came for, right? It's the big thing where it's solved, right? Let's just do that all the time in every chapter and to understand how weird it makes this comic i need you to imagine like a wonder children sketch where just constantly people saying they are luke's dad (laughs) and the author doesn't understand why this isn't working and how incoherent it has made this piece there's okay so i remember there's this one it's not a law but you know i think it's called a lie i can't remember the name for it because it does have a name which Mm -hmm. is where it's like, when in doubt, when you're stuck, have someone enter the room with a gun. <laughs> I feel like you only get to do this once. This in a work. No less than twice. Within the first ten chapters has this happened. And I think it's probably going to keep happening. The police chief keeps entering the room with a gun. With a fucking gun. <laughs> I almost, like, stopped noticing. <laughs> like, when the author pulled out his gun, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, just another, just another sidearm. This, it's how we do in this. It's, it's fucking incredible. By the way, I need to underscore. I made fun of predominantly the Yandere detective because it's really funny to make fun of the words Yandere detective. Mm-hmm. The worst character in this comic is by far our desperately introduced main villain, who comes in, by the way, way too soon. And it's way the in- fuck too soon. And it's entirely because of this game of Hungry Hungry Hippos they're playing with the editors of this, where they're trying to scoop up more chapters before the editors can crumple them into balls and throw them out. It's, um... This would honestly be a great, fantastic jumping-off point. If, you know, the two of us actually did have that much inside knowledge onto how the uh, the manga industry works, I feel like we have some amount of knowledge, so we could probably talk about it semi-intelligently. Semi-intelligently. I mean, the deadline pressure cannot have improved this series. Yes, I re- I, and I feel like this has come up before on the podcast. But someone, some mangaka did the calculations once. And just given everything that is expected of you writing a weekly series, you know, the amount of pages, the amount of panels, the amount of work that needs to go into this sort of thing, you end up with two and a half hours of personal time per week. 
Two and a half hours. Remember that one time when fucking Horikoshi just couldn't fucking finish the chapter? <laughs> and and it was like half of it was stick figures. Man. <laughs> he just didn't have it fucking done in time. It was the concert chapter from, from Hiroraka. He just was like, sorry guys, I hope you like this. It was all I was able to fucking do with the fucking crunch. It's a uh, somewhat it, it analogous like to uh, to the video game crunch culture that, uh, that that we that we talk about these days over here in the West. It's a pretty similar thing, except instead of one boss screaming at a room full of twenty five year olds, it's uh, basically a one twenty five year old in a room dodging calls from his editor <laughs> because he knows that his editor is just going to scream at him. And he doesn't have any better news to share with the editor to make him stop screaming at him. How do I put this? Some people die of failure. In the manga industry, you die of success. Not Oda. That remains to be seen. <laughs> listen, listen. There is a finite number of fruit power names in that man's soul. I don't know. I feel like he could go to the Shonen Jump offices... With his pants around his ankles. Literally just plop it out onto the editor-in-chief's desk and say, I want a full-color chapter. <laughs> oh, he probably could have. He has a theme park. I visited that thing. It's like an indoor theme park in Tokyo Tower. It has puzzles for children that are very simple if you're a native Japanese speaker. <laughs> I'm getting off topic. I guess the thing is, I understand some of the struggle behind ITLC. I understand even just a general desperate creative struggle. And I also understand that I'm holding this mutant, this irradiated toddler who has, like, bubbling semi-solid skin. <laughs> and this comic just keeps whispering, Let me die! And the author comes out with a long syringe of mysterious material and it says, it's a rom-com now. <laughs> you know what I'll compare this to? So two movies that I really like. Mm-hmm. Right? One of them. Avengers Infinity War. Right? Just mm-hmm. a really... There's a... I don't even know if that's the best example. Let's get, Let's just go with Endgame here. Right? Okay. Just uh, really like covers all the fucking bases. Doesn't really reinvent the wheel, does some uh, impressive stuff every now and again, but ultimately, you know, builds it out of tropes, right? Mm-hmm. Builds the whole thing out of tropes. And it's a good time, and I liked it a whole lot. Yeah. And then there's Boyhood, another movie that I liked a whole mm-hmm. ton, which has this completely nuts premise of they shot a movie over the course of 12 years and uh every scene is just a little vignette or every couple of scenes is just little vignettes from this one kid's life as he comes of age uh from i think age six to 18 is i believe uh how long it followed him uh through his life as he grew up uh it's a wonderful movie that uh is sort of just about moments in time uh and impermanence it's it's wonderful thing to uh to watch uh it's it, the point is it, it, it it's like nothing else you've ever fucking seen um nothing else i had seen up to then and i think when we think of really 
bad fucking shit that we see. A lot of it is like the bad equivalent of, you know, say Avengers, where you know it's like this is ground that's been tread. Yeah. This is this is being built out of shit that I know and understand and am familiar with, and it as a result of it being bad, it just bores me. Right? It's like oh, your handshakers. No handshakers. I would actually call handshakers a little bit more ambitious than that. Okay. <laughs> but uh, your um. Princess Connect redives of the world. Oh god, that thing barely exists. I, again, I dissociated while we were watching this. <laughs> uh, your Princess Connect redives of the world, your Milfisakai's, that sort of thing, right? Shit that's just like, yeah, I get it. Oh my god, why am I still fucking watching this? I know what exactly, like, I, I know what they're doing. I know what you're doing. There's no fucking mysteries here. Shut up. Yeah. Why am I watching this, right? And then you have Itel C, which is in the boyhood camp. It's in the boyhood. Of just like going out, going out there, coming up with new ways of being absolutely fucking terrible. Yeah. I would call it's that. Auteur shitty. I would call that very relatable. Like I'd barely recovered from the Yandere detective before they hit us with the elegant gothic elitist serial killer into her mysterious past as a kidnappy, into a haunted mansion where a man I can describe as a skinny Lester from the Adams family <laughs> is collecting humans' hands, but all he really needs is a friend to feel better about himself, and then that killer gets shot by... I shit you not, it's in the middle of this fucking case. A man slicks back his hair, shoots him, <laughs> and reveals... He... Was the one who kidnapped her, or manipulated this other guy to kidnap her? It's fucking dumb. But, but no, no. More importantly, he's a writer and he's talking about narrative causality or something. And I'm like, oh fuck, Neil Gaiman finally snapped. <laughs> and he's talking about how one brother's a great character and the other brother's a shit character, and then he kills the one who he thinks is the better character. Oh wait, no, because it was that was by accident. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that. You could write papers about ITLC, I think. God, I might. This might be worth a Weeboo Hell um, purgatory on one of these days. Feel free. Feel free. There's just so much. Anyway. This... I cannot recommend this enough. I really... Out of all three of the things that we covered here today, I recommend this more than the other two. You like... need to fucking read this thing. To your eternity... On your little date of watching it. Might say something touching to you emotionally. I tell C is going to vomit on your shoes. Ask if you want a hand job. <laughs> fall asleep. And then their ex is going to show up. Asking what the hell's going on. You need to go on that date once. Just once. Just so you can tell the story. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll be It will arm you at parties for twenty years. You will be so happy that you did that. Now go read ITLC and get that hand job. You get that hand job. This has been Weeboo Hell. It's Weeboo Hell. Fuck twelve. Fuck twelve.